Welcome once again this Monday afternoon to Gardening Talkback. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, how are you on this? was once a beautiful day. Absolutely. It's toasty warm out there, sun shining. I just love it. Very good. Great day for gardens, isn't it? It is. Is The plants will grow. <laughs> what do you got for us today, Scott? I thought we'd talk about, uh, because the sun's coming out and it's toasty warm, uh, we'd talk about uh, lavender winter lace. Yeah. Yes, another shady sort of plant, a helibore. They're really good for shade. You get lots and lots of colour at this time of year. And who's been a waskily rabbit? I don't know. We'll talk Bugs Bunny? You don't. <laughs> I thought we'd talk about a rose called uh, Gold Bunny. Ah, nice little segue. Yeah. Now, Scott, do you have another prize for our callers this week? Yes, I thought we'd do what we did last week. I just love doing that just, so, so much. Just love giving away anything. Yes. So we're, what we'll do is whoever rings up with the best, the most sobbiest story that they're, they've sobbiest got. Sobbiest story. Yes, yeah, sobbiest story. We will subjectively give you the prize. Okay, fair enough. Yep. Well, I don't think it's going to be our first caller, Danny from Mayfield. Danny. Problems with cow yeah. your mate. Hi, yeah, hi, Scott. Uh, I've got a climbing rose, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm about to uh, throw some cow manure on it, and I've got a few other plants in the garden. I was wondering if you could tell me how, uh, that, would have, how that would affect them. Like, uh, I've got some mandevilles in pots and jasmine in pots. I'm wondering if, if I could put some with them. Uh, look, it's it's a dangerous it's a dangerous thing. It's not like you know you're, you're handling you know juggling chainsaws or anything like that using cow manure, but it, <laughs> it, it can be a little bit dangerous using raw manure like that in pots uh, because it is just so you know sort of hot and it can very much burn the plant in a contained area like that. Uh, so you, look, you can give a very gentle dusting. You just have to be very careful because what will happen? It will just get absorbed in very quickly, go through the plant, and just burn it from the inside out. You'll just see oh. those leaves browning off in the middle, and that'll be it for them. Uh, now, as to your rose, cow manure is not the best fertilizer for your rose. Uh, usually, use poultry manure on that one. Uh, oh, because, okay. Because they like slightly alkaline soil, and cow manure should be slightly acidic. So the roses like slightly alkaline soil, so you'd use poultry manure on that. Look, that's okay. not to say if you've got a bit of cow manure, mate, you might as well spread it around. It's not going to you know, hurt the plant, but it's not something that you do continuously because you'd start to change the pH of the soil. So, okay, and Scott, what about an Indian hawthorn? Uh, it's in the ground. Would, would it hurt giving that some uh, cow manure or uh, poultry manure? No, Danny, that's fine. I'd definitely give that one some cow manure. It's going to like the cow manure quite a lot, so uh, you know, don't be shy about that. Uh, give the rose some if you want to, but you know, be ready if, you know, next time to give it some poultry manure to try and uh, counteract that change in, in the pH. And as for your ones in pots, uh, look, just a very, very light dusting. I, you have to be very careful about that. I think I'll leave them alone. Thanks very much for your help, Scott. Not a problem. Good luck with it. Okay, goodbye. Okay, cheers, Danny. Cheers, it's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM 103.7. If you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Mal from Cardiff and he's got green ants in his garden area. Oh, Mal, I know uh, Greg's got ants in his pants here. <laughs> <laughs> We're probably not going to treat Can't those. Still. We're not going to treat those in the same way, though. Um, what my question was, uh, we've got a few green ants about and it keeps biting, they keep biting our little dog and I was just wondering if there's a, if there's a dog friendly spray that you could get to um, kill them off. Yeah, look, you can use insecticides uh, to get rid of green ants. I think the main thing is to try and identify where the nest actually is. Have you been able to do that? Uh, not at this stage. We just need, she just got bitten by one a while ago, and um, we just thought I oh, will give you a ring and see what you you think. 
Yeah, so on, on the market there are specific ant sprays, ant and cockroach sort of sprays. And generally yeah. the, the thing is once they've dried off, you just keep uh, keep your uh, pet off there until the, until it's dry and then it shouldn't be harmful to them at all. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, so you'd use it. The main thing to do is to try and actually find where the nest is, though, and actually mix up a big watering can of it and really drench that area to try and get them out of the area. Right, and just wait till it dries off so the... Uh, don't let the dog near it. Yeah, and you don't want them walking all over where you've been yeah. spraying around and then, you know, licking their paws and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. But uh, just about any any green ant or ant spray should be fine. Then. Yeah, that, that, that's fine. So you'd want to go get one that's, you know, ant and cockroach, one that you can actually mix up yourself with water and you can yeah. make into a drench to put into a watering can or into a spray bottle. Okay, beautiful. Okay, not a problem. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks, Mel. David from Aberglassen. And he's got some details for getting rid of green ants. Yes, good afternoon. How are you going, David? How can we... Uh, what, well, how what, can you help us? Yeah, how can you help us? What message well, have you got for yeah, us? Yeah, I, I can. We, we've got uh, 16 million green ants at our place, plus the dogs. <laughs> yep. And there's two things we need to do. Uh, I bought a product called M-Grow Patrol. Yes. Ant killer granules. Yep. And what you can do with that, uh, you only need to put a teaspoon or half a teaspoon down the hole. It's not real hard to find the green ants' holes because... Uh, uh, they're pretty active, and uh, you'll see the soil where they, they bring it up. Uh, just just put half a teaspoon or so down there, and uh, in the morning they've gone. And uh, we have the same trouble with them biting our dogs, but uh, and we also keep a tube of um, stingos up at the garden there, so if they do get stung, uh, you put the stingos on them and, and relieves the bite. Okay, I think you've probably hit on the key there, though, as well, uh, uh, David. You know, you really have to find the nest. It's not its not good enough to try and just, you know, you find one or two of them and you try and get them. You actually have to find that nest and try and, you know, uh, cut the head off, cut the head of the hydra off at the source. Yeah, that's right, Scott. If you spend a few minutes and, and you know, they're pretty active and you'll see them going back to the nest and, and uh, usually they'll uh, show themselves with, with the fresh... Yeah. Look, I, I think the best way to do it um, would be to set up a picnic in your backyard because as soon as you put down a blanket and a picnic, uh, those green ants, they're going to come. It doesn't matter where you are. You could be out in the middle of nowhere and a green ant is going to come along and destroy your picnic. Yeah. All right, well, I hope that helps that, man. Thank you. The other thing, I could, the other way you could do it as well, Greg, is you could get a good-looking model in Bonds. Underwear? Oh. Uh, yeah, remember the ad? Remember the old ad? Yeah, I do. Other underwear is available, though. Yes. So, yeah, that's another way you could probably attract some green ants and find out where the nest is. Well, there's an anteater, though. Yeah, that'd be another way, wouldn't it? We would just get, buy a couple of anteaters. I'm sure yeah. you can get them on the cheap somewhere. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Faye from Caves Beach, and she's got some real problems with a lemon tree. Oh. I have. I think I've killed it. Oh, no. Well, I bought it about three years ago, and I'm the lady who always takes lemons everywhere when I go. But the other one died, but we put a new one in. But it started to get these yellow curly leaves, and somebody told me to pull every leaf off that's curly and yellow and get rid of it all special because it was a disease. And it would spread on to other ones. And I've got a, two beautiful mango trees I don't want to lose. But these, this lemon tree hasn't grown any since I've put it in. Leaves have come back and I've only got one little lemon like a little golf ball. Oh, no. So w- when did you uh, go and do this, the denuding of the plant? When did Last you pick... year. And Last... they said, this year 
year it'll be beautiful, but yeah. I'm still waiting for beautiful to happen. One little lemon like a golf ball is not what I call a beautiful lemon tree. <laughs> now, Faye, have you got it in a pot or in the ground? Oh, in the ground. Okay. Yeah. Now, look, All we, by itself. No names, no pack drill on the person who told you to pull off the leaves. No. We, we don't want to know. We don't want to know no. that. We're not into naming not and shaming. Not happy with them. No, no naming and shaming here. It's not a okay, royal commission right. here. No naming and shaming. I have given it a dose of fertiliser and then a couple of times and then a couple of doses of potash, but... Still nothing more than one little lemon like a golf ball. Yeah, so look, what you probably had is you probably had citrus leaf miner on there, and that's actually just this little insect. It's a moth that comes along and lays its egg uh, on the new growth of the citrus, and then the, yeah. the little weevil gets in between the membrane of the leaf and does a whole lot of damage. Now, so it's not a disease that's sort of going to spread to other plants. But Oh, right. And so you, you don't necessarily have to pick those leaves off, but it is something... Oh. It is something that you you know you want to try and control. You actually want to try and protect the the plant at the time, mm-hmm. and to do that, you use a product called Eco Oil. And the uh, citrus leaf miner usually only comes along in the warmer months, from say January to March or so. Yeah. And it only attacks the new growth because the new growth. That's right. Yeah, Tell it's me. <laughs> it's beautiful and soft, and you know, sort of luscious. So that's you know, yeah. you know, if I, I'm always going to attack the soft and luscious stuff myself. Yeah. So that um, it, once it hardens off, though, you don't have to worry about it. The uh, the moth won't lay its little uh, weevil in there. Uh, oh. So it's only when you see this new growth come on. So you know, if you've given your plant a prune back or there's been some rain, uh, that's when you're going to get that flush of new growth. That's when it's time to go out and spray with that uh, product called Eco Oil to keep that under control. Oh, right. So, so the, it didn't have to pull all the leaves off. No, that I look, haven't got them all back either. But this one little lone lemon like a golf. Yeah, so pulling the leaves off has been slightly counterproductive for you, unfortunately. And what's happened, it's gone, the plant's gone, oh, geez, you know, um, what's happening to me? I'm going to try and reproduce. And so it's sent out a lemon to try and reproduce. And but it hasn't really had anything to sustain it. It's had no leaves on there. I mean, how can you know if you don't eat, what's going to happen? There's a you know, few leaves on it. A few leaves yeah. come back. New leaves did come back. So the, the the thing to do now, you've only got a little young tucker plant there. Yeah. You just want to make sure you're watering it really, really well. Yeah. Uh, you're fertilising it regularly, about three or four times a year, and you can use some poultry manure on that as well. And right. the other thing to do is for the first, you know, if it's only a little young young pup of a plant, for the mm. first year or so, you just pick, you know, you thin out some of that flower and get rid of that fruit because you want it to put the energy right. into the growth of the plant, into the leaves, rather than actually trying to fruit because it's, you know, it's only a youngster. It doesn't, re- oh, it can't right. really sustain that. Great. Yeah. So look, I the main that thing. Now. That's why I haven't got any more than a golf ball. Yeah, so as long as you've still got some green in the trunk, it's going to come back, especially once we get this. We've had a bit of rain. We might have some oh, warm yeah, weather as well. Plenty of water here. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm you sure. Don't have any you want. Uh, so, fertilizing, uh, get some of that eco oil, be ready in uh, January to March when you see that new growth come on, just to give it a spray and make get that protective coating over there to stop that moth laying its egg. And, and just can I pop in a question about the, my mangoes? I've got all these lovely spiky little bits on the end. Mm-hmm. I've only ever had one mango, but I think they're at mature age now yeah. or where I might get more this year. That's all these little spiky bits on the end of the tree, isn't it? Yes, that, that should be where the flowers are and where you're going to get the mangoes. So yeah. again, mate, it sounds like you've got sulphate of potash there. Yep. 
So make sure you keep on using that and use that on your... Uh, well, don't worry about that so much on your citrus at the moment because you don't really want it to flower and fruit for the next couple of years. But uh, certainly on your mango, start adding that to the soil and yeah, trying to promote... Do I have to pull any of them off like to... So I get more mangoes, do you know what I mean? Like you told me with the lemon tree being so small... Oh no, no! Look, if you I think you've if, taken flower off, no. If your mango's um, you know reached maturity, you can probably just let it uh, look after itself now. Right, and would it be all right? I don't want it to go as high as the uh, high as high because I wouldn't be able to pick them. If I sort of chop it off about it. Um, fence level? Yep, absolutely. Mangoes prune really, really well. They also make really fast, big shade-growing trees as well. But the, yeah. the timber to prune on them is very, very nice. And when you cut it, it actually smells like mango as well. Oh, oh. I love mangoes. Yeah. Yeah. And Give I'm very yeah. thrilled with my mangoes. My lemons, very sad. You could make, tooth- <laughs> make mango-flavoured toothpicks out of the timber. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I wondered <laughs> if I'd killed it yes. off, you know, and like if that's going to fall off and that's going to all the leaves will fall off and that'll be the end of it. No. I thought it might have even hit rock or something. I just didn't know why I wasn't getting any. Yeah, so look, don't don't be too worried about it. You um, don't, don't go picking the leaves off again. Just leave them no, on there. No, I won't have it. And eco oil, you called it. Eco oil, it's called, yeah. Oh, EC... ECO. ECO oil, yeah. yeah. Oh, great. I wish I'd have... Spoken to you. That's all right. <laughs> As we said, no names, no pack drill, Faith. No, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, okay, thank you thank very you. much. You have a good afternoon. Bye bye. Cheers, Faith. I think there's a new enterprise for us there. Mango toothpicks. Oh, I know. We could do it with all sorts of trees, couldn't we? It'd be amazing. Yeah. You look with rosemary. Rosemary, yep. Yep. Uh, orange. Orange, I guess. You'd have a citrusy sort of taste to it. Yeah, it'd all be very nice. It could be. You mentioned salt of potash before. Yes, salt of potash, yeah. yeah. That's the one. Yep. Did you forget something today? Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> okay, special trip. I will bring it out here for you tomorrow. Oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. No, no, I, I will. I can wait another week. I will. No, no. I, actually, I'll be out here tomorrow. Okay. I'll bring it for you. Right. Last week, Scott promised he'd get me some, but obviously he forgot. Oh, you're important to me, Greg. Now, Scott, you've got a few plants there for us. I'm trying to remember the first one off the top of my head. And I cannot. Lavender winter lace. lace. That's right. Yes, we can talk about that. Uh, lavender time is upon us. It's time for the bees, the birds and the bees to come out and great for my allergies and buzz around. I always love lavender time. You go down to the wholesale nurseries and there's big rows and rows of lavender yep. and there's bees all over them, but you stick your hands in there to pick them up and the bees never, I've never ever been bitten by them. Really? Yeah. Never been stung by a bee? Well, I've been stung by a bee when I've cornered it. <laughs> You've cornered it? <laughs> Who are you doing bullying bees? <laughs> They're dangerous. They're dangerous. <laughs> it was after my baby. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, whenever you stick your hand, it's like they're almost drunk on on the lavender pollen or something like that. They just okay. Yeah, they sort of had a buzz around, but I've never ever been stung. Too busy one. pollinating. Yes, to be stinging. Yes, absolutely. So I, I've always loved doing that. It's um, yeah, one of my favourite times of year. So if you go into a beehive, just tape yourself up with lavender. I think that's a whole yeah. That you could do that. You could take some pot puree in there with you. <laughs> Head to toe. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen an apiarist do that before, but uh, it might be a possibility. Oh, that's something I'm sure someone could do. Yes. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work either, because <laughs> usually they get quite cranky when you go into their hives. <laughs> you're pinching their honey, mate. You're pinching their honey. Yeah, but if you're in lavender, they're going, oh, what's this? What a yeah, treat. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm calm. Mm. I'm a calm bee. Exactly. Yeah, not like a spelling bee, but I'm a calm bee. All right, let's continue on before we... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I won't do it in my bee voice either. That should have been more of a bzz, bzz, bzz. 
Uh, yeah, uh, lavender winter lace, it's uh, a bit of a misnomer. Well, it does sort of flower a little bit into winter, but it flowers mostly now. And it is a really good time to go into your garden, local garden centre and uh, you know pick the lavender at the moment yep. because it is all starting to come out into flower. Great time of year, lots of varieties. Uh, there's taller ones, shorter ones. A lot of these new ones are actually uh, of the Italian uh, variety and they seem to flower the best. Uh, the French one, the French uh, lavender, you get it's the most aromatic. Uh, oh, okay. I suppose that's probably what you use in pot puree. French lavender. French lavender, yeah. So it smells the best. And when you just sort of rub against it, um, it uh, smells really nice as well. <laughs> the uh, the Italian, it, uh, it it's more for the flowering. It does, um, you know, have some aroma, um, but uh, it's not as strong as the French. So if you want the flowering one, definitely go for a uh, an Italian variety. I had a Ferrari like that once that I wanted to flower sort of thing but it didn't quite go it didn't work out, didn't work out the same as my Renault so uh, yeah look uh, winter lace it's a lighter coloured one if um, you know we weren't blokes so we could use the word um, you know chartreuse or something like that uh, this one what was that again chartreuse. chartreuse this one is of a lilac colour uh, a little bit taller really big beautiful sort of um, peply things that come out of the top of the flower uh, great uh, for uh, you know out in the full sun dry conditions in a pot as well uh, so yeah, that's uh, lavender winter lace. A lot, a lot of flowers on that uh, particular plant. It's a really great plant to have in your garden. Very good. Now you got still got a couple more plants there for us. Yes. Let me go one more. I do. I'll go one more for you if you want to. This is for a completely different position. This is for the shade. Ah, right. Yeah, now we're talking. Yeah, these are helibores. Okay, so this is probably ideal to start planting now for summer? I guess they would be, yeah. So, uh, you know, in the heat of summer where you need something, a bit of colour in the shade, helibores are fantastic for that. Uh, now these I do one, like the name helibores. Helibores, yeah. It's mm. quite quite interesting, isn't it? Uh, now, these ones, uh, yeah, look, uh, a shady condition. Uh, they have a, a flower, I guess, that looks a little bit like a poppy that comes out. Uh, you know, it's got that big single look on it. Uh, they come uh, in whites, uh, pinks, and I'm going to use that word again, that colour, chartreuse. Chartreuse. Yeah, I'm not exactly what colour that is, but I'm pretty sure it's a purpley, whitey, uh, pinky sort of thing. Off-white. If someone can ring up and tell us... You know, that would be great. Yeah, put us in our place and tell us what colour chartreuse is. It's probably going to turn out to be orange or something weird like that. <laughs> and we've got absolutely no idea. Uh, so helibores, they don't get too tall. Uh, you know, they probably stay, oh, you know, about one foot above the ground, 30 centimetres or so. Okay, yes. reasonable. Yeah, so a little understory plant. Again, if you want to put them into a pot, they're really tough for that. They will dry. You can let them dry out a little bit as well. So watering, um, you know, you don't have to be over-watering them and you'll get plenty of colour as we go into the uh, summer months with them. Now, I remember this next plant, Scott, because I thought of Bugs Bunny straight away. Yep, and I did the Waskily Rabbit. And what is it, actually? It's a rose. A rose? Yes. A rose that's shaped like a rabbit? No. uh, Why would it be called Gold Bunny, actually? Because you don't know many yellow... There's not many yellow bunnies out there, are there? Yellow rabbits, no. I can think of something you do like a rabbit, mate. What's that? Eat carrots. Uh, let's, let's move this along. <laughs> <laughs> I got away from that one pretty quick. Uh, yeah, the uh, gold bunny is a rose. It's been around for some time. It's been around since 1978. I can uh, thankfully say I remember 1978 quite uh, quite well. I'm sure it was in primary school back then. No, I cannot remember it at all. So I, I, I was, wasn't. I wasn't featuring in the world. I would say. <laughs> I don't remember the rose being uh, developed, but uh, apparently it was developed in 1978 uh, over there in France. No, oh, okay. So it's like a some sort of man-made 
creation. Yeah, so it's it's uh, yeah, I guess they are. They're all sorts of hybrids and things. Yep. Gold bunny is particularly good as a climbing rose as well, and that came off a sport of just the bush rose. Okay, now, it's uh, got a profusion. It's a warm sort of yellow coloured uh, flower on it, uh, and it has got a little bit of scent as well. Although it is a floribunda, um, so it is quite a good rose for that. Now the story with gold bunny and the reason people put it in is because once it starts uh, flowering, apparently it doesn't stop. Right. Yes, yeah, so that is a fantastic... That's, that's good news. That is good news. That's a fantastic reason to have it in the garden. So it's not that really sort of, uh, you know, bright orangey yellow. It's more of a, of a warm yellow. So a very, very good rose if you're looking for some uh, yellow roses in your garden. Uh, look, again, with floribundas, you can cut them and take them inside, uh, a bit like the iceberg. Don't expect it to uh, to flower, you know, stay, you know, hold a nice tight bud as a cut flower inside for a great deal of time. Right, yeah, fair enough. Now, Scott, we did get a message about the colour chartreuse. Ah, fantastic. And um, what colour is it? Well, according to Kay, she sent us in a little text message saying it's between yellow and green. So we were a bit off. Oh, that's how, yeah, yellow and green. green. That's, yeah, that's a very strange colour, it isn't is. it? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't actually sound very nice at all, does no, it? No, I wonder where, where else does that exist in the, in the real world except for on uh, helibores? Oh, surely somewhere else, maybe. Yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of like the concoction of some sort of weird... Um, of something Picasso would throw together. Yeah, I love Picasso, do love Picasso. Uh, that would be somewhere you might see it, down at the National Gallery or somewhere like that, or <laughs> someone's uh, designed some sort of weird and wonderful coloured car. Um, car manufacturers are always coming up with weird colour, so maybe that's where they might use chartreuse as well. Chartreuse, yes. coming in 2017, yeah. chartreuse. The Lamborghini chartreuse. <laughs> Gardening Talkback, and we've got Jan from Warners Bay, She's got a question about her magnolia tree. How can we help you with it, Jan? Um, hi, Scott. Um, I, I've got a magnolia tree, that the ones that are in flower now, yep. it's a, like the deciduous, um, and after 25 years it's grown no more than probably a metre high. Um, I think when it gets to the clay it stops. But mm. anyway, um, I want to know if I can trim the top of it. Would that... Um, do anything because it doesn't get a lot of flowers on it no look that's probably not good the only thing that's going to do is make it um 50 centimeters high <laughs> oh, right. if you go and do that i think yeah i think you've probably hit the nail right on the head there uh you've probably got a bit of clay out there at warner's bay so a lot of plants will do that as soon as they their root system hits the clay they they just virtually stop because there's nothing good down there in the clay for them no. uh you know it's it's hard uh, you know it's either incredibly wet or it just dries out and cracks there's you know no nutrient in there for them so the the best thing you can probably try and do is to get some liquid clay breaker oh, yeah. and try and get that into the soil. Uh, make sure there's plenty of manure in there. Um, you know, because you, what you really want to do is try and get the worms down in there. They'll burrow through the clay and they'll have a bit of a oh. chew at it and it'll come right. out the other end and it comes out the other end as good stuff. Oh. And it starts, <laughs> so you get that organic matter in there and it starts to break down the clay. But uh, look, sounds like you've had it in there for a while. But, uh, it doesn't uh, mean dig it out. Don't think dig it out and start again. Well, you could dig it out if you wanted to uh, and get uh, someone, uh, you know, you could get yourself if you wanted to. You get a, a young, muscly, young lad like uh, Greg, who I'm looking here in his uh, muscle, oh, right. in his yeah. muscle shirt. Yeah, well, oh. he, he's standing right across from me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you could get him out there to uh, uh, to no, dig the I hole. Got anyone? Oh dear, dear. Oh. So, what you want to do though is you want to break actually break that clay yeah, up as much right. as possible. Uh-huh. Get some other soil, some manure down into it, and then you might be able to replant that magnolia, and it might have a bit more of a you know its root system can spread oh, out yeah. a little bit yeah. more. Good, eh? Yeah. So, uh, look. Otherwise, I wouldn't go and just prune it. It's not really going to do anything. Oh no! Right. Yeah. yeah. 
Good day. Thank okay, you. Know, okay, good luck with it, Jan. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, Jan. I don't think she wanted my help. Oh, I think she was coming around there. She said, oh, there's no one. Oh, look. Even you know, after you mentioned me, it was like, oh, as I said, if a nice, sun, as it, I, you know, beautiful, the sun's out, sun's out, gun's out, mate. Your <laughs> shirt's off, glistening with sweat, you know. Jan may well have taken up that offer. I think she would have. <laughs> would have been the reflection of my white skin would have been enough. Oh, I'm not sure it's like that. <laughs> it's a gardening talk back on 2 and you are a We've got Joanne from Elementary Passage and she's some problems printing your frangipanis? Oh, no. Well, usually we get uh, phone calls from Lemon Tree Passage about lemon trees. You are absolutely undermining uh, everyone from Lemon Tree Passage. Yeah. yeah. How can we help you, Joanne? Um, We've moved into a property that has 12 French penny trees, Mm -hmm. and I have no idea how to prune them. And ordinarily I'd leave them alone, but three of them are close to the house and they're getting a little bit too big. Yep. It sounds like uh, whoever lived there before was, uh, you know, into a lay manufacturing business of some sort. Yeah, they're shipping, oh, they're everywhere. shipping them off to Fiji as you come in the airport and they stick one around yeah. your neck or Hawaii. We import our sand to Hawaii, so why not we uh, import our lays over there as well? All right, we could do that. That's another business idea. We're full of business ideas here. Uh, look, with frangipanis, you can just give them, uh, you know, a prune back as much as you want. Now, the trouble with doing that, though, is that they sort of come back a little bit weird. It's a bit like when you prune a jacaranda. They have those um, spindly shoots that go straight up in the air. Uh, I call them water yep. shoots. Uh, and a frangipani will do you know, a similar sort of thing. So once you start wrecking up those main leader branches, you get sort of these weird fingers coming out in strange directions from them. And it takes a long time for the frangipani to come back and sort of thicken up and make it look like it's normal again. Uh, but look, certainly you can do it. There's no reason uh, why you can't. The other thing you should do, uh, once you've cut it, get a product called Steriprune and actually yep. uh, paint or it comes in a pressure pack as well and uh, spray that wound so that uh, no uh, pest and disease uh, or you know fungus can get into that area that you've cut. Okay. But certainly you can do it. If they are close to the house, be careful because they can get quite a big uh, sort of trunk on them. The root system's not necessarily so big, but the trunk can get quite big and sort of push things out and do a lot of damage as well. Yeah, they're really close to the back of the house and I don't know who planted them there. I just know that the person who owns the house is very attached to them. Yeah, so, so can, and it might have been just so they could reach out of the window. They didn't have to get wet. They could just pluck the flowers and take them inside and, and conduct their business. Yeah, all right. Okay. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Good luck so with it, Joanne. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Cheers. Thank you very much, Joanne. Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time this Monday afternoon. Do you have anything else you want to run through before you head off for the afternoon? Yes, I thought we might just talk about the state of the world's plants. Ah, state of the world's This is a big issue. Yes, it's, it's big enough to. Is it, we've got enough time to tackle it now. We've got plenty of time to plenty tackle it. Plenty of time. Okay, we'll tackle it now. State of the world's plants, uh, the botanical gardens over there in Kew. In Kew? Yes. Royal Botanic Gardens. This is in England, mate. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another country. No, no. Yeah, this our, our world's outside of Australia. It's all okay. Right. Yep. Can, we, can you drive there or do you have to get a boat? Or uh, no, I was on a, a tour with some Americans once who thought you could actually take a bridge to Australia, but uh, we won't go. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how they are. State of the world. Well, they probably thought we were in, next to Germany in their defence. Well, that's true, but you still can't drive on a bridge from America to Germany either. True. No, so... Um, but, that's love Americans. I really do. When you get over there, they're a fantastic group I'll of give people. Them a coat. Yeah. Now, state of the world's plants: twenty-one percent of the world's plants are actually at risk of extinction. That is not a good number. That's one in five. Uh, Australia is actually home to fifteen percent of the plants on the at-risk list. Oh, really? 
Yeah, so that's uh, we're not doing such a good job over here. Now, the threats to the world's plants include climate change, habitat loss, which is probably something that we're guilty of here in Australia, uh, disease and invasive species. And that's something we're certainly guilty of here in Australia as well. We've got lots and lots of invasive species that's here. quite alarming how but, high we are. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, look, they reckon there's about uh, 390,900 plants known to science. Uh, but the good, there is a little bit of uh, you know sort of gold lining to this oh, cloud, and uh, take us out in a good note. Yeah, two thousand and thirty-four new species were discovered in twenty fifteen. So, uh, and those included onions and begonias. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's quite quite strange, isn't it? But mm. uh, it's fantastic. So, um, on, of those twenty thirty-four uh, numbers, I don't know how many of those have gone already, but uh, hopefully we'll try and keep those alive as well. All right, nice to end on a high note. Yes. Scott, I'll see you next week. Be perfect.